Good morning, everybody. If we could have my uh, PowerPoint up for this morning, Joel, that would be great. Fantastic. God's good, eh? We're looking this morning, we're going to continue from where I was teaching last week on God has plans to prosper you. Amen? And uh, it's quite a stretchy kind of subject, isn't it? And um, I, I think, I think Brit, Brits have a, a wonderful sense of wanting to be genuine and real. And, and, and so I think we do. That can air, I think, to the point where we get a bit twitchy when we talk about stuff like money. And, uh, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Is that all right? And uh, so if you go to my first slide, um, it's just as a, a recap. The reason why we've got to talk about it is there are over 500 verses on prayer, almost 500 on faith, but 2,000 on wealth, possessions, debt, and poverty. In other words, God wants to speak into this. And so it's an important area that we stir up some of the thinking about it. It's not something we do very often. If you're a guest and you think, oh, I knew they'd talk about that kind of stuff here, uh, we really don't. But I've felt that we need to. Part of that is because I feel that there's a breakthrough in personal finances coming to many of you. And so I, I want to herald this prophetically that I believe some of you are going to know debt relief and just a, a whole new financial situation, uh, 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 wage increases at work, a blessing in your home, a blessing in the state of your finances. And who knows that that would, without talking about anything to do with extravagance, still bless you, right? Still be an appropriate blessing. Amen. Are you with me? And uh, so we're not talking necessarily about extravagance. Um, uh, we're talking about God bringing blessing into our lives. And I'll explain why as we go along. There's two big books that are going to be on sale um, on the balcony for the next couple of weeks um, that have really impacted me with regards finances. One is called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And this is the guy that we once played some of his videos. And he's an exceptional teacher on the area of finances um, without in any way... Um, so the heart of the book is this. Uh, the whole issue of wealth um, is all about giving. If we, when we get a generous heart, something gets unlocked in our world. So it's nothing to do with acquiring stuff. The, the whole focus is the focus of becoming a generous person. And who knows that's a good thing, right? It's uh, good to be generous. I think you're with me. And then the next one is by a Jewish guy, a Messianic Jew that I met last year called Jeff Lestz. The end of his name is STZ, so I struggle to say that. Jeff Letts, I'll call him. And uh, it's a great book. And he is an incredible story of coming out of being destitute, orphaned as a kid, literally living on the streets to the point where he began to recognize, well, it, it's an amazing story. It's all in his book here, True Riches. And it tells a story of how he came to Christ and how God began to work on him and, uh, and grow him and develop him as a person. Uh, but he also realized as a Jew that actually his Jewish friends were more blessed than his Christian friends when it came to finances. And he said, well, why is that? Because we're supposed to be children of Abraham. And so he today is a millionaire and uh, just to show it doesn't mean extravagance, he drives a 13-year-old car, but he's a millionaire. And millionaire is all about what can I give into God's kingdom? How can I bless people? Who could I be in God? 
And so I hope to get him here in the next year. He's a lovely man. And you may see him at the one event again this year. But those two books will be up on the balcony if that interests you. So some of our recap points. I'm going to recap briefly from last week and then just hit a couple of other points this week. And then I'm going to finish off the series next week. Okay, so uh, last week we were looking the second point there. Are you a person of abundance or scarcity, prosperity or poverty? How big is your God? And we looked at the story in John 12 of Mary smashing a 20,000 pound a uh, uh, bottle of, of nard, of perfume, and Judas, uh, Judas getting all twitchy about it, but Jesus being fine with it. And I suspect that I would have been quite twitchy about it, which my worry is, is there more Judas in me than Jesus? Okay, and uh, so we need to think, what, what's our attitude to all that God has And do we know how to download what God has into our world? Because the Bible teaches us how to do that. The third point, God wants us to be generous. The byproduct is that wealth will flow through your life. But beware the dangers of wealth. When I prepare a message like this, I read hundreds of scriptures. Because what it's easy to do with quite a lot of subjects, say subjects like healing and subjects like money, is people pick their favorite scripture that reinforces what they already think. And so you've already, you know, several of you have given me your favorite poverty scriptures over the last week. Thank you, but that's not the whole of the Bible. Some of you give me your favorite wealth scriptures. Neither is that the whole of the Bible. You have to be able to, as a Bible teacher, step back and go, what's the panoramic view? Because we have occasions when this happens and occasions when that happens. But what's the tenure of all scripture? What is God trying to show us? And he's trying to show us this. God wants you to be generous. And so he wants wealth to flow through your life and bless you on the way. But you must beware the dangers of wealth. That is the feel of all of scripture. And, and so we've got to kind of dig into that and understand it and work our hearts around it. And one of the scriptures we looked at, Deuteronomy 8.18, it's God who gives you, talking to the Jews now, the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. An amazing scripture that I'm sure many of us knew was there. Oh, it's right behind me. You can't quite read it, can you? But God gives the ability to produce wealth. And as I said last week, Jesus was a Jew. And almost, if you know you know, if, you, if you're good at peoples, you kind of know, enough said. The guy was savvy with money. They are savvy with finances. And they know how to, how to live well and understand the area of wealth without being, and may I use this word, intimidated by it. I suspect that perhaps it's quite scary for some of us. It is for me. I don't consider myself, you know, I'm, I'm greatly into business or finance much. But I realize I want to grab what God thinks about it and apply it to my life in a way that's appropriate to me in my life. Amen? The next slide for recap points, and we'll just read these together to remind us, because we want to be based in Scripture here, not in our own favorite thinking. We want to have scriptural thinking. Um, Let me read the top. God wants you to be a blessing, to be generous. You must have the capacity to be generous. You can't give what you don't have. So you've got to have in order to be generous. And God would say, you've got to be generous in order to have. 
So it works both ways. Let's read these next six scriptures, which are six of the 2,000 scriptures about wealth in the Bible. But just to get our tongues and our minds around how the Bible speaks about finances and wealth. We don't, you'll have to read the ones you can read and not read the ones you can't, I suppose, if you can't read them all. But let's just read, you don't need to read Psalm 112 verse 3. Let's just read the content of these six scriptures together. Is that okay? So let's begin. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. And I put that little phrase at the bottom, everything I have is yours, which is what the father says in the story of the prodigal son to the older son. We ended with this. There are two sons in the prodigal son story. It should be the prodigal son's Really, because they were both prodigal. They were both away from what God wanted. One wanted wealth, but no relationship or connection to the father. Wrong. The other one was slaving away for the father, doing the work, keeping the farm going. And then when the younger prodigal comes back and everybody's celebrating these parties and robes and rings and feasts, and he comes in like a good old miserable cynical Christian and goes, I work so hard for you and I've never asked you for a thing as if that was a virtue. It's not a virtue. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. It's not a virtue to go, I'm doing all the work and I've not asked you for a thing. And the father says to the elder son, everything I have is yours. You want to party every now and then with your friends? You want to get a calf and kill it, which is the context. Go ahead, I've not stopped you. Ask me. In other words, you're a son and you've made yourself a slave. One's wanted the wealth. One has resigned himself to a Christianity, let's use the context of the story, of slavery. But both were wrong. Somehow there's a place where we can enjoy the Father's kingdom without it being selfish, greedy or over-extravagant. We can enjoy our daddy. Don't you want your kids to be blessed? Yes, we don't want them to be spoiled, but we want them to be blessed, right? You don't want your child to get to the end of their lives and go, I could never afford a holiday. I always drove a car that would break down all the time and all these sorts of things. No, we don't want our kids to be spoiled. I bet you don't want your kids either to live such a party life that you go, well, I haven't seen them for three years. They're somewhere in the Mediterranean. They've got so much money they don't need to work. So they spend most of their life drunk and doing other such things. You don't want that either. Spoiled. But what do we want? (laughs) What do we want? When do we want it? Anyway, you know, (laughs) we want our kids to be blessed. And can I just simplify the gospel for us? That's what your heavenly daddy wants for you too. He wants to bless you. But sometimes we're like, well, I don't know if I can ask. Well, we'll talk about that today a wee bit. The next little bit uh, is the Bible on poverty. The next uh, slide, please, Joel. Thank you. Um, And I didn't read these, so I'm going to read them today just to make it really obvious, um, uh, if it isn't already obvious to common sense, that actually biblically to prosper is good and to be poor is bad. It's, It's not the ideal state. It's something to be lifted 
from. Poverty is something to be lifted from, a curse, something to be sold. Um, and I'll just read the verses. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he's done. Poverty is the ruin of the poor. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Catch that spirit there. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Listen to what God does and wants to do with the poor. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Look what he does. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. That's what God wants to do with you. Proverbs 22 verse 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant of the lender. Deuteronomy 28, 15. Deuteronomy 28 is that incredible passage where it, it lays out the curses and the blessings. The, the, the blessings for obedience, right? And the curses for disobedience. All look at me now. See if you can give me your undivided attention just for a second. The blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. In this column, he puts, you, you will prosper and be wealthy. And in this column, he says, you'll know poverty. In fact, he talks about dire and extreme poverty. So now we have to reach a conclusion. Good, selfless, honest, real British Christians. Does God want you to be wealthy? He doesn't want me to be selfish, but he wants me to, to, to know substance and to be blessed. Amen. God loves you. And so, yeah, let's go to the next slide. Let, let's do some fresh content then for today. And, and I hope that I can inspire you a little bit. God has a million ways to bless you. I just love that picture. It's a picture of abundance. I want to be up to my neck in the goodness of God. Amen. I don't want to reject what he has for you. God has loads of ways. I think lots of Christians think, well, apart from my wage, how could God get money to me? God has lots of ways to bless you. And I'll, can I be honest about the journey of finances too? I think God blesses you appropriately along your journey. Who believes this process? Who maybe in this room thinks that it's okay for a 19-year-old to have a car that breaks down every now and then, but when you're 50, you really should be blessed beyond that. In other words, and this is, this is biblical blessing, there's process in the blessing. It's not entitlement. See, God will always use money to grow you up. Money is a test in the Bible. He uses it as a growth moment. So he'll get you clean by making you wait. Okay, but what, we, what we, maybe we try to do is, I don't want to think about money, but God's saying, but now you'll never let me get the selfishness out of your heart. Because only if we start talking about money and greed and blessing and prosperity and wealth will we actually start to analyze what's in your heart. So if you don't talk about money, you will remain immature. But if you do say, right, let's work this through. Is this a God thing or not? Is this right? Is this not what's appropriate to where I'm at in life and what I need in life? Because God's not going to give you all of your wants. But he's going to supply all of your needs. But thankfully, as a kind father, he blesses us with some of our wants. Now you might go, but he gives me the desires of my heart. Yes, but he changes the desires of your heart as well. Okay, so it's not, I, I want to be a lottery winner. And, you know, what could I do with a billion? And we spend it on ourselves and go, yeah, I'll give a quid to, you know, the poor somewhere. He actually works on the desires of our heart as we journey through things. Half the things we want, we don't really want. You see, what we tend to do in life is we envy the accumulators, but celebrate the generous. In a funeral, you, you, never, you never celebrate someone who accumulated. 
you celebrate someone who gave it all away. But in life, sometimes we envy the bigger car, the bigger house, the one down the road, the better job, the bigger pay packet. That's all self stuff. We want to be over here celebrating generosity, not living in envy. So he, he works on our hearts. So when I was starting out as a 19-year-old in ministry and my income was about 50 pound a month, I used to have prayer meetings about toothpaste. Honestly, prayer, I mean, you know, trust God, if we needed it, toothpaste. Bunch of young men in ministry and literally we did not have the money some months for toothpaste. So I remember a friend of mine, Frank, and we would say, oh, Jesus, we really need toothpaste. Will you just bless us with some toiletries this week? And that was the level I was at. But then the adventure of finance began to take a bit of a journey. And then you start to trust God for, for, well, for taxi rides. I remember this one time I needed a taxi ride and I booked the taxi without the money to pay for it. And by the time I'm walking out the door, somebody runs up behind me with the money for the taxi. I'd not mentioned it to, hang on a minute, before you go, I've got this for you. People giving you finance at just the right moment. I went from taxi fares to airfares. I remember I was going to South Africa. It was a 400 pound airfare. I worked out if I saved my 50 quids a month, I was going to buy the airfare. I was right on time to do it. And I saved up 400 pound. Then God said, give it away. I'm like, no, no, no. No, I've been a really good steward. A really good steward. But he said, give it away. I want to show you that I am your source. I gave it away. And of course, the airfare came through. Then it grew to cars. Who's ready to go on to cars? I'll be honest, once you reach a certain age, you're dead. Come on, come on. Once you reach a certain age, I don't think your heavenly father wants you to be driving around in a car that breaks down. It doesn't have to be swish. It might even be old, like our millionaire friend, 13 years old, but I bet it drives because I bet he spends on the garage <laughs> to keep it working. Who is your God? I remember I was itinerant, so I was traveling around and I needed a decent car. And I walked into Broach Hill Garage up, up outside Driffield. Some of you know it. And I walked in there and I was, I must have been about 25 years old, I think. And, and I walked in and I'm, and, and I'm looking at a car. The thing, the thing inside of me was, God, I need a car. So then he said, well, you better go start praying about it. So I thought, well, I'll visit some car showrooms, right? But I, while I'm doing this, I'm going through the whole thing. Is this selfish? Is it not? Wouldn't you? Is it selfish? Is it greedy? Is it not? Do I really need it? What about starving people in there? You go through all the acrobatics, right? And I'm walking around and I walk into this showroom and there's this lovely shiny car. Everybody say shiny. shiny. Can all the men say, I love shiny. <laughs> so we know it's an issue for us. So I, you know, I've got a thing with shiny things, right? Just, just sh I practice going through electronic shops going, I don't need you. 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 So I'm walking into this place. Now, I'm having to go through the acrobatics in my heart. Is it selfish? Is it greedy? What about them over there? Does God have enough? Who am I to? So I am working through some very deep-seated spiritual issues about my value. And that's the ultimate lesson with money. Now, the voice of God that had told me about the taxi fare and the airfare and lots of other things, little things in life. I didn't start out with a big cliff. But the same voice came to me in that showroom and said, book it, it's yours. I'm like, God, I haven't got any money. Book it, it's yours. So I booked it on the premise of I've got a rich father. Sorry, Dad, I've got a rich father. <laughs> I didn't really mean you, to be honest. So. Uh, it, and it was going to go and be built. It was one of these brand new. So it was six weeks for it to be 
over here and, and ready. And so I'm starting to sweat, wouldn't you? It's one of those ventures. But never go with presumption. Go with the voice of God. Always the voice of God. And he says no as often as he says yes, right? You've got to be real about your heart and really work these things through. So I'm sweating for six weeks, and the closer it gets, the more I'm sweating. And then about 10 days before I had to pay for it, I got this letter. Now, normally I'm really slow at answering all correspondence. Any of you that have ever written to me know that. This was the fastest letter I've ever replied to in my life because it said, are you looking for a car by any chance? I feel the Lord wants me to bless you. Now, I wanted to write back and tell them exactly how much money they should give me, but I didn't. I just trusted. I said, yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to buy a car at the moment. And if you want to bless me, that will be fine. How can I subliminally put how many thousands I need into the letter? <laughs> Jesus' name, oh, hallelujah. Anoints it with oil in lemon juice, right? The thousands, you know, and I don't know. Hopefully she'll walk under an infrared light and go, oh, it's the Lord has spoken. I don't know anything like that. Anyway, this person got the letter. And, and by return of post came the thousands of pounds that I needed to buy the car. Now then, of course, you know, cars have a shelf life. Um, uh, that was a Citroen. We did, Vicky and I, when Vicky and I were married, we then did it with a Mercedes. Only a little one, but a Mercedes. So he goes in and there's this Mercedes in the Mercedes garage. Oh, you know where it is. Uh, you know, over by Sainsbury's, that one. And, and we're in there and it's a little black Mercedes thing. And again, God's going, just get it, it's yours. <sighs> okay. He doesn't always say it to every car. I've, tried, I've looked at all of your cars. He hasn't said it once, unfortunately. <laughs> like, you know, they're going to give it you now. And, uh, and anyway, so, so we, we, we got this car. Now, this time it was even more stressful because we got to the point of taking the car from the garage and I still had the bill to pay. So we're out in this car a week later and I was in this church and this guy walks up to me and says, imagine, um, no, I won't tell you who he is. He walks up and says, look, someone in my congregation has just said to me that you have an unpaid bill and they want to pay it. Is that true? And I said, yes, but I hope you don't think it's a 94 pound electricity bill. And it was, I think the outstanding was 3,700 and something. It wasn't a ridiculous amount, but it was a ridiculous amount all at the same time. You know what I mean? So I said, yes, it's 3,700 pounds. And his eyes went, oh, <laughs> like this. He says, I'll be back. <laughs> and he disappeared off and uh, returned a post. When I got back home, there was the check. God is able to download finances that we don't have Amen. if we enter this adventure of stretching God. He has ways to get you money. He can lend you things. You, you, listen, this is a little secret when it comes to stuff. You don't have to own it to enjoy it. You know, often things that you crave for, just borrow them, <laughs> hire them. I like boats. I never want to own a boat. I don't want to clean it, insure it, moor it, nothing. I just want to ride on a boat every now and then. Go hire one. You know, and God will lend you things and put things your way. He'll bring blessing into your life. He'll bless you with tax rebates. Somebody came up last week. They ended up with a £7,000 tax bill that they weren't expecting. No, a £7,000 bill that they weren't expecting. Then they got a £7,000 tax rebate. God's clever. He's able to make finances just appear sometimes. He's able to bless your business. He wants to bless the work of your hands. God likes to bless something. So, you know, a Jew would say, have more than one income. Have a couple of jobs. Vicky and I have a couple of businesses on the side. They don't take much of our time, but they provide an income for us. And there's something to place before God and say, God, would you bless this 
because you bless the work of our hands. He's also able to make money appear. I like that one. John Conrath tells a story of every time he'd go back to his wallet and open it, there was a new wad of notes in his wallet. Anybody want that wallet? (laughs) God is able to make all grace abound so that you can abound in the things that you're doing. Amen? And so... um, Uh, let's just ignore the next picture. Well, look, you can look at the next picture. Look at that. Everything my parents owned were packed into one of those Citroen 2CV6s. That's little Zach in the front there. And and I was going to tell the story, but we run out of time. But God's blessed you because you gave up so much. See, one of the secrets is there's always... We talk about wealth and prosperity. There are seasons of sacrifice. And it's like a catapult. God says, if you're willing to come back, I'll propel you forward. But there's always moments when he says, right, give that up. You ever seen the little cartoon of a little girl with a little teddy? And I don't know if it's Jesus, I can't remember now. He's saying, give me the teddy. And behind his back, he's got this massive teddy. And he just say, if you give me that, I'll give you this. And she doesn't know because it's behind his back. There are moments of sacrifice when God wants to bless our lives. So I want to say this. God has a million ways to bless you. Now, here's the crux of it. If you let God into your finances. I've got to finish that sentence. God has a million ways to bless us if we let him in. And I, I wonder sometimes if we do. If we go to the next slide, let me read you a story. And we're going to use it as our finale today. And uh, just to bring us a, a thought. Jesus uses this kind of story, the parable of the stewards, uh, of, the, of the talents. Sorry, this one is. And he talks to us about being stewards. You know, we're not really owners, are we? We're stewards of what God lets us have. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So things are flowing through our lives and we're stewards. Many, many times, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus told are about money. And many times he talks about leaving people talents or a farm or a vineyard or leaving virgins oil with a lamp. He leaves them something to look after and then goes away and he's going to come back and find out, what did you do with what I gave you? And that's the heart of this story. Let me read it to you. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey and the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. And the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came. Master, you entrusted me with two. I've gained two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Share in your master's happiness. The next slide. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Say hard man. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Say afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. In other words, here's what you gave me. I'm giving you your one back. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Some of them say, so you think I'm a hard man? 
well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, listen to this, and give it to the one who has 10. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant out into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we know this story can be about various aspects of the, of the kingdom, but let's use it in its literal form right now. Again and again, God leaves us as stewards of an amount. So stewardship is the first lesson of the story. You are to steward what you've been given. He may have given you a £20,000 a year job. You're a steward of that income and that job. He may have given you a £40,000, £100,000 job. You're a steward of that job. And now your job is to make something of what he's given you, not just to give him back what he gave you. We're supposed to see it increase and grow. And here's the last scariest point. And so we'll be judged for what we do or don't do. And that, is this tough? But listen to the heart of the scared one, which is the one we're trying to get to. You know that, don't you? We're trying to concentrate on the third one. That Why wouldn't he do anything? He was afraid. La, 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 la. Don't make me think about money. Don't make me think about what I've got. Don't make me think that I have something to cause a change to happen in my world. I don't want to think about it. And he said, he was afraid. And he said, and I thought you were a hard man. It's like that elder prodigal son. I was a slave, not a son. I thought you were hard and harsh. I didn't think you were that good. I didn't think you'd bless us with increase. I didn't think wealth was part of the deal. I didn't think being prosperous and generous was part of the whole thing. But listen, I want it to get really scary for a moment. We'll stand before the throne one day and he'll say, so I gave you that much. What did you do with it? Well, I was scared. I didn't want to think about whether I was greedy or selfish. Well, okay if you've been a Christian two years, but a Christian 50 years and you still couldn't work out whether it was greed or not. Come on. Whether it was selfish or not. We'll stand before God. Psalm 139 says all our days are written in his book before any of them came to be. So I wonder if God's going to open up a book in heaven and say, Jared, nice to see you. So I gave you a job and I gave you an income. And according to my book here, you were supposed to give away eight cars and feed 10 poor children by sponsoring them. And you're supposed to pay the rent of four single mums for a year. You're supposed to build three churches and support 10 missionaries. Oh, and leave an inheritance to your children. Oh, and by the way, you're supposed to have 200 holidays and you only took 86. How did you do? Why, well, I, I, gave, I gave away one car why? Because I never learned to trust you with receiving. I thought it was selfish. Why would you think it's selfish? You're my son. I thought it might be greedy. Well, you knew me for decades. Couldn't you work it out between you and the Holy Spirit, whether it was greed or kingdom? So what about these mums you're supposed to have paid the rent of? You never did, did you? No. Why didn't you do? Why didn't you take all the kingdom principles and let me into your finances so you could grow and be the blessing I made you to be? Well, Father, I was scared. Well, that's not a good enough answer, son. We're supposed to grow in our finances. 
There's a story, it's told several times from different people, and I'm using this as an illustration. Not, I'm not saying it's, it's true necessarily, I know nothing about it really, but several different people that have had encounters in heaven, and they've written about them, and they've gone to heaven and met Jesus quite separately, Several different people have been led to a storeroom that was full of body parts. Anybody ever, ever heard this story? And there's storehouses and there's legs and there's eyes and there's arms. And it's not grotesque. They just sat there. And each of them says, whether it's to Jesus or the angel, what are these for? And Jesus or the angel always says, well, these are for people on earth, but they won't believe for them and receive them and trust me and, and they won't take them. This storeroom should be empty and it's full, but they won't believe me for healing. And I want to use that as an illustration. God talks about the storehouses of heaven and opening the windows so that so much blessing comes into your lap that you can't contain it. Not for selfish reasons, but for blessing reasons. And I wonder how many storehouses in heaven are creaking saying, why won't they ask me? Why won't they believe that I am their shepherd, they shall not be in want? Why won't they download a pension from heaven instead of just earth? Why won't they download a better car so they can get places? Why won't they take a few holidays so in rest I can speak to them? God wants you to have holidays. Do you know how I know? The Bible is full of holidays. I used to go to school with Jews. They were never there. They were never there. They were at this holiday, this feast, that day. They were always eating or not eating. They were always celebrating. They were always making noise, but they were never at school. Why? Because they had so many holidays. That's the heart of your God. Jerusalem is called the city of festivals. So I want you to know me and enjoy me and be blessed by me. And it's not selfish to be a love child. It's right to be a love child. It's right to be the envy of your neighbours. It's right to be the envy of, of your unsaved family and friends. They say, why are you so blessed? Well, it's because I let my heavenly father into my finances. So that's why I'm able to buy you a car and pay your rent and pay off someone's mortgage over here. I want to be a blessing. And if the biggest thing I have to get over to be a blessing is getting over me, then so be it. I want to be a blessing in the earth. How about you? The storehouses of heaven are creaking, saying, will you trust me? Will you let me in? Will you stretch a little bit and, and let, let me come in and, and we'll deal with what's selfish and what's not, what's greedy and what's not. Let me teach you how to be a blessing in the earth. Because one day you'll stand before me and I'll say, what did you do with what I gave you? I want to say, God, I increased it. I took your principles. I took what your word said. And look what I managed to turn it into. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my happiness. That's what I want to hear. Anybody here? I want to dig into all that God's got for us.